0: Mike.
1: Hey, Michelle.
0: Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Good. I'm glad you're back home.
1: More fires, Michelle. That's why we're late again.
0: That is crazy. It's also crazy how it's kind of the content we're covering, too.
1: Uh, well, you know, Sarah Treme probably lives in Malibu or Los Angeles and knows all about this stuff. I'd like to begin by asking you a few questions about how this whole mess got started do you remember seeing him for the first time yeah you guys here on vacation certainly we are welcome to the end of the
0: week it's just interesting though how it's like playing out on a week that you could that she couldn't have known of course and that's when it aired It's when it's going on again i'm sure that it was probably done because of the fire's recently but maybe even last year how bad they were and then now we're back at it again
1: yeah it was two years ago that it hit here maybe in los angeles there was one last year there was one up in north north of me in a town called paradise last year but two years ago it was big in la big here and and then this year big in here and being in la again yeah it is odd it's this time of year it only happens in the early part of the Fall you know, fall well, I guess it's not early fall, but whatever. It's like late October, early November. Yeah. And now it's perfectly sunny and calm and I don't think it can happen again. I think the temperature conditions have to be just perfect for it to be you know, bad like that.
0: It's just crazy. It's crazy how that's happening all the time. Like it's getting to be a horrifying tradition and that's awful. Well, well, it's global
1: okay. warming, Michelle. We all know the horrors of that. Yeah, I guess we do. Michelle, I got oddly excited for this podcast. I was missing it last week. Now that we know the end, can you get through this without exploding?
0: I actually can, I think. Um,
1: We're only going to do 510 here, so we won't spoil the end. But we'll spoil right.
0: And we'll sp- but But I'm, I'm really annoyed at myself for having watched the last one before we did this one, I really didn't want to do that. I like to take each one individually, but since we're putting this one out late and it's, you know, it's already come out the last one, but what happened was I was not going to watch it. Right. I had said, I'm not going to watch it. And so because we didn't do this podcast on time and we knew ahead of time, we weren't going to be able to do it on time because you were not able to be in your home. I didn't, watch it and take notes on it to podcast it because I wasn't sure if we would even be able to properly do it. Or you weren't if we would sure just do... if I was
1: going to be alive anymore. Well,
0: no, it wasn't it. I was pretty sure about that, but I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to do it properly or if we were just going to kind of incorporate it and touch on it and then do the last one. I just wasn't sure. So when I found out the other day that we were going to be able to get this one done properly, uh, everything's been super, super busy. So I was sitting down to watch it just like 10 minutes at a time, taking notes, 15 minutes at a time, whatever. So I went to bed, I think it was Saturday night. And I thought, okay, I'm going to turn it on on my phone, lay here and just watch it. I know I won't be able to take notes, but it'll make note taking easier when I go back to do it. So, you know, I wear glasses. I can't see very well without my glasses, particularly at night. So I was in bed and I turned on Showtime Anytime and I clicked on The Affair and I clicked on the most recent one because it was Saturday. It was before it aired. And Mike, it was the finale. They put it out early on Showtime Anytime. I don't know if anybody knew that or not. So when it came on, of course, I had to watch it. I mean, I couldn't even resist watching it. So I watched like half of it and then I actually fell asleep and then I finished watching the rest of it yesterday. And I'm really sad that I watched it because it's definitely going to color my opinion of this episode. Well, don't
1: say anything about it. La 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 la.
0: No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't ever deliberately, but I oh, did I do it that and, and, it's, and it's colored my opinion of this episode. So I apologize in advance, but it definitely has.
1: All right, Michelle, well, this one has four parts to it, right? Or is that the The last last
0: one? one. The last one
1: does. (laughs) The last one does. See, it colored my thing, too.
0: Did did it color your opinion or not?
1: Well, I still got, I mean, well, I shouldn't say. Don't want to even talk about how it colored anything. Let's just talk about 510.
0: Okay, let's just talk about it. We start off right where we left off last time. Whitney scolding her parents, calling Noah every name in the book, calling Helen a codependent nightmare. She has Noah crying, blah, 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 storming off to her room. Right?
1: Yeah, Whitney's regressed three seasons in this one episode. She was doing this rant like three years ago, wasn't she?
0: It, yes, when she was a teenager and you were cutting her like every slack in the book one, for having done one it. One
1: conversation with that chick on the plane flipped her a million degrees to the opposite side.
0: I got to tell you, and I'm just going to say it because it's so true. It's my truth. I'll say that. I am just super annoyed with this right here, because it's very annoying to me to have people giving advice to other people who have no experience. All they have is just their idea of the way things should be. And that's one of the things that's really annoyed me with Whitney's character, this whole this whole series. And you cut her so much slack because, well, she's a teenager, or she's whatever. I've never cut teenagers that kind of slack you have to learn as you're coming up as you're nine and 10 and, and then, you know, a, a teenager that you can have your ideas and that's great. And you affect the world in whatever positive way you can. And that's wonderful. But it reminds me of like all of these college kids now who are so pro socialism and, go to Venezuela and live for a couple years and then come back and talk to me about it because otherwise I have no respect for your opinion at all. You have to be able to have some experience in these areas and seeing Whitney talk to her parents about relationships when she's been in relationships with fur cat. I mean, that's her experience. And I understand what they're trying to say, that all this happened and her insecurities and blah, 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 blah. But I just cannot stand that. It's like, don't don't advise people based on your ideology. It just really pisses me off at my age. I'm stepping down from my soapbox on that. She's
1: in a relationship with a hot chick in a hot tub.
0: She is... Her behavior was every bit as reprehensible as Noah's behavior. Now, he was an adult, and she wasn't at the time, so we're going to definitely chalk that up. But you just don't get a free pass and blame somebody else, you know? It's like she was robbing a bank, he was robbing a bank, and she's pissed at him for robbing the bank.
1: Michelle, it transcends generations. That's Noah implanted this into Whitney. It's not her fault, Michelle.
0: It's well,
1: okay. You want me to revert back to normal and ditch the kinder gentler?
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All yes. right. I'm going to have to be careful because I'm going to definitely relate it to the next episode if I'm not
1: super, super careful. But um, We've never really had this opportunity to do a podcast while we know the next episode. Maybe no, one, I know. Maybe one other the other fire time maybe we did that.
0: No, it's, we did It's didn't.
1: weird when we know the finale of the whole show.
0: Oh, to, I know. To try to and
1: sneak one in under the wire.
0: I know. I know. And I really wish I hadn't watched it. In a way, but I'll talk about that next week, which is, of course, in like two days. But um, anyway, Helen goes into the bedroom to talk to Whitney because we must we must just, you know, get her to understand. It's like, no, no, Helen, walk out the door and tell her to anyway, grow up.
1: Michelle, I feel like you're mocking her.
0: And I love Helen. I've always loved Helen pretty much. But Yeah, I really dislike her appeasing this kind of attitude that Whitney suddenly has, like you said, because the girl on the plane, Audrey, uh, has a five-minute conversation about, about your father. You know, it's like,
1: anyway. Well, to your point, Audrey is, what, 27, and she's given all this magnificent advice. What does she know about life?
0: Well, I know. And she's like written a book about it and everything. And, and we even all agree that she was like broken. Right. She's she writes this book based on I mean, Whitney says to her, well, that's not a reason to ruin somebody's life. And she goes, why not? And if you have to ask some question like that, that that answers the whole series Right? I mean that answers everything. If your response to don't ruin somebody's life and their family's life over your feelings on something and your response to that is why not? That sums it all up to me. But anyway, Helen goes into Whitney's room and and she says that they need to support each other now, they're a family, and Whitney's very dramatic. What did you just say? You're holding on to a myth. This whole thing is a charade. Dad only cares about himself and you only care about dad. And he's not coming to my wedding. And I'm just like, shut up, Whitney. You're grounded, you know. Whitney says that um, all I want from my life is to not end up like you. And I think that's actually a pretty common thing for daughters and mothers. But to say that is just so mean. And to me, it just shows that she has been tolerated for her stupidity and her outburst way too long. So, you got anything to say I about better,
1: that? feel better, Michelle.
0: I'm I'm really annoyed with this. I'm I'm glad I'm kinda of getting into the annoyance of it because I kinda of needed to um do that. Yeah, Whitney's and I... a pretty
1: poorly written character. She I mean, even up through the end, I think we'll talk about that at the end, but I she's not very well illustrated as a full character. She's so superficially motivated yeah yeah motivated or what what's the right word altered you know influenced by other things that she's a wind vane she blows one direction and then she's going the other direction she loved noah a couple episodes ago for helping her with the wedding is all that down the drain now
0: yeah i mean evidently it is you know she's she's had some kind of epiphany and based on audrey who wanted to?
1: Uh, anyway, and well, well, they're able to do that because she's poorly. She's superficially written. If she had any kind of depth, they could not get away with that. Because we'd say, "Well, wait a minute, Whitney is really this kind of." We don't know what kind of person she really is. You know, does she love Furcat? She seemed to like get attached to him again. No, that was just a fling. Does she love Colin? Well, maybe she's going to marry the guy, but. I mean, she's even said a few things about not sure if she wants to get married. Does she really want to be married? We can't get a hold of her because she's not not fleshed out.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's really sad because the actress is really good, I think. And it's just sad that the character has evolved into that. I think. Um, I even made a note here, even as I was watching it. I said, she's the voice of reason, Whitney is. You know, she's lived so much life that Helen should definitely listen to her.
1: You're mocking Michelle.
0: Yes, I am. Okay, so Helen comes out and Noah's gone because that's what he does. I don't think Noah's written well either in this. This is annoying, and, and we'll get into this in just a minute. But Colin, Trevor, and Stacy come in, and Helen gets a text alert about the fire she tries to call noah but it's going straight to voicemail because he's such a child that he cannot even just wait she asks him to wait can you wait noah she's gone for two minutes she comes out he's gone and turns his phone off um colin asked her for whitney's birth certificate yeah the house is burning down colin but let me go back because it's more important that your last minute you forgot to do something let me make your inability to remember anything my personal, you know, tr- anyway.
1: Well, Michelle, have a hard I, just, time with I just had a v- mandatory evacuation from my house. And if I had to find my birth certificate, well, I was at four in the morning watching, like, the wind and the flames. And, and then the thing came across the phone. By the way, the evacuation texts on the phone are pretty realistic. Sarah Treem must have seen multiple ones a couple years ago. Because that is exactly how they look. Right. And you get them on your phone, like, like, a, like a sound goes off with the text. But if I had to stop everything else and look for my birth certificate in the middle of that, I wouldn't have found it. I don't even know if I could find it. It would take me two days to find it now in peace and calm.
0: Yeah, it's difficult to find that stuff. I just had to do it for uh, my daughter, who got married, but not because she was getting married. Um, I had to find it because she has to change her driver's license, and that's what we had to find it for. But she called, and she's like, hey, I need my birth certificate. And luckily, I... I, knew where I didn't actually know where it was, but it was in the first place I looked. But if it hadn't been, it would have been the same kind of issue for Noah. I mean, it's a difficult thing. And the fact that they've waited, it's like, oh, by the way, we need this right now. Sorry your house is burning down. Please go get that. It's just, it just shows the selfishness of
1: Well, these. it also shows your point that Whitney's still a, child with parents i mean why do her parents have her birth certificate she's a big adult who knows everything why doesn't she have all her documents and paperwork and a safe deposit somewhere where she knows where they are she's relying no on
0: absolutely parents. yeah yeah when somebody moves out you know take your stuff and she's been moved out so absolutely um helen leaves and At least she got a little bit of backbone, right, and left Trevor and Stacy with the smart comment that Whitney needs to take care of someone else other than herself for a change. So I'm glad she finally said something to her anyway. And Whitney's, like, all distraught-looking that she's being left with, like, a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old. Like, that's some kind of burden or something. Okay, I'm going to try to quit being so
1: Are we past the point where she's staring at the painting?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was in her bedroom. I want to say something about
1: that dumb painting, Mm -hmm. Michelle. First of all, it's a dumb (laughs) painting. She's staring at it like it's a googly, you know, scribbled eighth grade notebook with some guy, you know, a diary about some guy she's in love with. But the point of the, I'm trying to make is the man, a man who struggles to earn and protect his family in real world stuff is way more valuable than a romantic painter. And that's what Colin is. He's like, he doesn't work really hard. He sleeps in the day when he's tired. He makes a nice, cool, romantic painting. But other people in the world are struggling to help Whitney, like, stay alive, you know, make her way in the world. And she falls for the romantic, like the fur cat type guys.
0: That's a good point, Mike. Yeah. Um, Colin can't work because of his... Uh, visa
1: or whatever. So if he could work, what would he do? Right, but that's what I'm saying.
0: Right. Yeah, people paint, and until they're discovered, they also have a job. And they've shown Whitney working and, like, working herself to death while he naps. You're correct.
1: So where are we, Michelle? Did she go to find Noah yet in his room?
0: Well, yeah, she's driving— to Noah's, and there's no traffic going in her direction, and just bumper to bumper in the opposite direction, which is never a good sign. She gets to Noah's, and he's so okay. She literally left like what, like four minutes after he did. They show her walking out the door. They show the amount of time she spent in the room with Whitney. So she literally left maybe four or five minutes after Noah left. She couldn't have left any, any longer than that. And he, in that four minutes, has gotten so drunk that she is smacking him and she can't wake him up. She's slapping him. And she can't wake him up. So she just has no other choice, you know, except to take off her shoes and climb in bed with him.
1: So, Michelle, i got a practical fire um, message here to people. Okay. When you're in those fire warnings, you can't drink like Noah here. You can't get stoned and hunker down like, ooh, power's out. I'm going to be here for a day. you got to be ready to drive and save your life. I went to a Saturday night a week ago was the bad night. And I went to a party earlier that night, and I didn't drink a drop because I knew that we were, like, potentially having to get evacuated. And you can't hop in your car if you've been smoking pot or drinking beer or doing whatever all night. you got to stay straight. So Noah can't go home and just get drunk on whiskey in the midst of a potentially Travis tragic fire
0: that drunk that drunk so drunk that being slapped doesn't wake you up so do you you think that your phone doing that's going to wake you up you You can't have
1: two you can't have borderline 0.08 you can't drink at all if you're going to be in an emergency situation i'm sure people did but if you got any kind of responsibility you can't i don't know
0: So what is, what is Sarah? I I actually made a note here. Huge eye roll about this. It's ridiculous. What is Sarah Trame's message in this with Noah? What's her message? Because a couple episodes ago, he's professing his love for Helen. And then Helen wakes up the next morning. He's giving her the googly eyed look. Right. And then he's mean to her and says the same things to her. I think Whitney's right. I mean, his character is the same as Whitney's character. It's just like whichever way the wind blows, he's going to react. And Noah is a grown man. He's a teacher. He's an author. He is he would not be that flighty. He wouldn't. I've maybe, never your, maybe
1: her message is if you don't drink, how will your friends know that you love them?
0: Maybe. It just that drives me crazy.
1: Michelle, I once read I once read that drinking can damage your liver. It it scared me so bad I'm never gonna read again. A little drinking joke in there. That's pretty funny. I know he wakes up at her looking like a goofy zombie. That's pretty creepy.
0: Yeah, I mean he's just like laying there staring at her. It's just, just- Completely awake, looking at her. But it's googly, you know? I mean, he's googling at her. And then they're frantically looking through this messy... I think it's ogling,
1: ogling, not googling. Googling would mean he's looking her up on the internet.
0: Oh, well, I mean like googly eyes, but I don't... Okay. But he and Helen are fighting. It turns out that Helen wants to know how Noah could have not known it was Whitney in that hot tub. So she brings that up.
1: All right, Michelle. Yes. The hot tub was not that fucking bad. What? It's not. He mistakenly saw Whitney from the back and saw her. As soon as he saw her, he's like, oh, shit, this is not good. He didn't try to, oh, Whitney, you look exceptionally hot tonight. He didn't do that. He saw pretty women from the back. That's not a big deal. Cheating is a big deal, but not because it was Whitney. They're making way too much of that
0: completely agree of course it was creepy i'm sure just as creepy for noah as it was for whitney
1: and then he calls it the worst night of his life like worse than running over scotty worse than going to prison the first night in prison come on man oh i know well he
0: he lost his daughter that night i mean why and he spent all the all, all time since trying to make it up, and he wants them to have a good time at the wedding. He's saying all that. Helen, to her credit, admits that she didn't actually think that he knew it was her, but— then Noah tries to turn around on Helen and ask him why Whitney was there to begin with, which is a pretty good question. Why is your underage daughter at a cocaine party in a hurricane, um, making out with a girl naked in a hot tub in a room full of people? Well, I mean, those that's are not
1: the best kind of parties. Uh, was okay. she underage at that point? I think point? she
0: was. I think she was like 17 at that time. So
1: she's only 20 now.
0: Um,. No, she would be like twenty-four, right?
1: That was seven years ago.
0: Yeah, because remember, Joni's since been born, and Joni is seven.
1: Not according to the gravestones, Michelle. Let's go back. Oh
0: my gosh, yeah, no, 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 that's not in this episode. Um,
1: and also, Michelle, about this wedding—I know you just had a big wedding in your family, but you know what? And I'm a guy, so cut me that slack, but. Noah's is such a simpleton. If I can just give her a wedding, who fucking cares about the wedding, Michelle? Shut up about the dumb wedding and the dress and the reception. He's got to give her his attention and his love and his time. A wedding to me is just another thing.
0: It is a thing. It's a party, is what it is. It's a stressful, expensive party. And, you know, you have to just like do what you can do up to it and then just enjoy. The moment is what you have to do is like live in the moment. But Noah, if one of my kids told me, I don't want you at my wedding, I would say, okay. And I would stop the help and I would stop payment of anything and everything, you know, I mean, anything I hadn't already paid for. It would be like, okay. And that would be the end of it, you know?
1: Well, Michelle, your your heart's just a little smaller than Noah's always, it looks like.
0: Yeah, don't be a don't be a sap, Noah, okay? I mean, cuz I that's just it's just another let Whitney get away anyway. And okay. Well,
1: I mean, what's really important in life? Maybe to a woman like Sarah Trim, the wedding like, oh, the wedding is such a huge I, I don't know, man. It's just to me it's superficial material crap. It's white lace and a cake and who cares? Um I don't know. The le- the letter, the next little scene about the letter is way more important to me than the wedding. Being.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really, really touching. Um, I understand why weddings are a big deal to girls. I understand that they're, you know, brought up and even to guys, some guys, but it's not okay. We have had this conversation You know, I've got two daughters that are married now, and and it's not worth hurting somebody's feelings over nothing. No part of it is worth somebody's feelings being hurt. Anybody that you would consider inviting to a wedding, anybody that you're close enough to to invite to this ceremony where you're going to um, you know, dedicate your life to somebody else, which is kind of a personal private thing. It's not worth hurting. Nothing is worth hurting their feelings. And you just have to be really mindful of that. And I think this is the, when my daughters and I've had this conversation so many times, you know, maybe somebody, a friend says, um, I'm going to have somebody in town. Can I invite them? And, you know, maybe the seating's limited, but it's not worth hurting their feelings. Bring in another chair and invite. I mean, it's just not. So that this whole hurt Noah's feelings over this is really timely to me. And it's, troubling i don't like it at all particularly your father but yeah helen finds an old photo album and she finds that letter that noah wrote to her the night before their wedding and he said he found it in the trash of the guest room at her parents house and she reads it and it's sweet and touching and all about sticking it out during hard times and that she tells him she would have never thrown it away and that she was just careless back then so and how had laid did get
1: it get thrown away
0: i think she laid it down And um, her mom, probably, or maybe a housekeeper or something. And Helen says he used to write stuff to her like this all the time. She just always assumed that it would keep coming. Maybe it wasn't as um, treasured because it was a common thing. You know, you get flowers every day and they're beautiful and you might like them. But you get flowers, you know, once in six months, and it's, I don't know. But she just never thought that he'd stop loving her, she says. And that was kind of, I don't know, touching. Then we have beating on the door, and it's this mandatory evacuation. There's people walking, and if you see them and have a car, please stop and help them. So Helen starts running around and grabbing stuff, and Noah. Here he is, flighty Noah, he can't go. And he can't go because he doesn't know what to take. And Helen's freaking out, and Noah says this stuff is all he's got. He can't just leave it. Helen has the kids and this is all he has. All he has is junk drawers of paperwork that he don't want to leave.
1: Yeah, noah is also very weather veiny here in that he's pointing this like flighty. Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what. And then later on, he's like directing Helen to climb off a cliff to save her. (laughs) I mean, what the hell is he? Is he the flighty wispy, you know, weak one, or is he the direct alpha dude? who's going to save the day.
0: Well, he's, he's flighty because even if he is eventually the direct alpha dude (laughs) right here, he's like, I'm staying. Helen's like, well, let's, Alright, Noah, let's just pack it into the car. And he gets ugly with her. I think you do have some weird obsession with me, Helen. Why did you come up here well, last what, night?
1: What was she doing there, Michelle?
0: Well, I mean, you know, the 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 excuse was to get the uh birth certificate.
1: Yeah, but you she know. didn't have to sleep next to him. <laughs>
0: No, but I mean, the couch she,
1: or go home no, or, but
0: she couldn't find it, you know. I mean, no, yeah, the couch, obviously, but yeah, she couldn't find it in that jumbled up clutter. But well, it's also,
1: I'm kind of playing the devil's advocate kit because it is weather, that he was two episodes ago showing up, up at her door all disheveled to tell her he loved her, and now he's questioning why she's there. Like, just what? which one are you, dude?
0: Yeah, right, and Whitney's tirade is what made him do this maybe you are obsessed with me you have some kind of weird obsession i'm not your husband you shouldn't be here i mean who could deal with that kind of bipolar attitude and she turns around and she says she hope he burns as she leaves which that was pretty mean
1: it's jerky jerk writing it's like jerking us as the audience one way and then the other
0: and it's just stupid. I mean, it's just stupid. Let, the thing that I like about Helen is that her character has been pretty consistent. She's gotten angry, but it's been a slow rise to the anger and stuff like normal human beings do, right? I don't think many of us just do this. I love you. I love you. I hate you. I hate you. I love you, but I hate you. I mean, that just makes no sense. That's not Is that, that's not normal. It's
1: passionate. It's her way. It's her writing way of saying passion is present. I hope you die in the fire and burn to death.
0: That's okay. Okay. So Helen's driving down the mountain and she stops to pick up a couple and she's still driving Sasha man's Tesla and Helen is very mothering to them. She talks about the car is uh, set to withstand a chemical attack and they're going to be okay. They're stuck in traffic, though, I mean, just really quickly, and Helen's trying to find the apocalypse button on the car. The couple start to argue about why they moved there, and Helen tells them that this isn't helping. They're wasting energy, and they're going to get dehydrated. I thought that was a right, such Michelle, a mother this, thing to say.
1: Is this saratream Okay, first of all, it's a stupid hippie couple. Not, It's not Joe Stock broker and his wife it's a hippy dippy couple total snowflakes though we don't know what to do i'm pregnant and i don't know don't don't close that window the smoke is affecting me <laughs> is this sarah dream's message that snowflake is she like anti-snowflake for showing us this like she's saying oh some people are freaking weak as hell or is she or is she projecting this as reality
0: no, I think she's projecting it as reality. You know, Mike, we've we've went back and forth on this, this whole season, and maybe even some season before. Um, this cannot be her way of making fun of that. It's just, there's no indication of that. It's so over the top that one would think she's making fun, but there's just no other indication of that other than common sense life experience i mean other than that there's no indication that she's doing
1: that you gotta call you gotta call sarah treem a successful writer she was in i also found out michelle she was in um house of cards she was a writer for the show house of cards she went to yale she's pretty successful even if we don't we make a hell of a lot of fun of her but i would say successful writer in their quiver of tools would have irony as one of the tools. And she has to know about irony, right? She has to know that that's something that's an effective way to make a point when you're writing a story. So some of this has to be ironic that got to pick up the hippie couple that doesn't know what to do. And I don't know. I want to attribute some credit to her for some intelligence in this scene.
0: I guess maybe we could if there was intelligence in the main character's right? If Whitney had some kind of intelligence, if Noah had some kind of intelligence, and then you had the, the hippy-dippy couple who were fighting because she didn't want to move here and he needed to because of his social anxiety, and now they're going to have a baby and blah and blah. But that's not what happens. It's You can't make the main characters be the same characters as the couple in the back and then think the couple in the back are mocking. I don't think.
1: All right. Well, Michelle, so you're right about the fires being ironic that it coinc- coincidenced with the fire this week. Yes. <laughs> um, because traffic jam. Now, this traffic jam, there was a traffic jam here two years ago. It wasn't quite one this year yet because I went. First of all, maybe I say there's no traffic jam because I never saw it because I didn't get out in it. <laughs> if you're smart, you don't have to get into a traffic jam. Uh, First fire, I saw where it was going and I didn't leave. So that's why I didn't get in a traffic jam. And in this year's fire, I went the other way. I went the direction away from all the sheeple going the same way down the same freaking road. If you're smart, you can avoid a traffic jam. You don't just pull onto the road where everybody's bumper to bumper. Get yourself in line and wait.
0: Well, and this wasn't even just a traffic jam this was just gridlocked it was just sitting there and for hours or whatever i don't know a lot about that kind of traffic we do have a lot of traffic and i'm not real far from atlanta so i do know traffic but i don't know traffic in a situation like this well you're right
1: it's not traffic it's it's unusual everybody leaving at the same time traffic it's right. nowhere to go, bumper to bumper. You just don't get yourself – you can see that line's not going to move. Michelle, when I, I, the night of the fire, I drove um, from here to Lake Tahoe, and, I, and that's 200 miles. So it took me four hours. And when my friend left, I asked a friend to come with me. She's like, oh, no, I'm just going to go to my friend's house like, like six miles away. I <laughs> got to Lake Tahoe. Before she got six miles.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: She took her four hours to go. These two towns are close to one another in Northern California. And everybody was on the road. And then the one road led to another road, Highway 101, which is a major highway, four-lane highway that was bumper to bumper, nobody moving. And people just sit there and wait. It, it doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Well, that's because you don't have a Tesla and an apocalypse button in your car.
1: That's also such bullshit. You, it's a, still a freaking car. It might be hermetically sealed with air. <laughs> but if you're in a fire, it's going to burn. The tires are going to melt. The engine, the fuel line is going to catch on fire. It's going to catch the inside of the car. It's going to do what it did to the car we saw later. You can't sit in it like it's a sealed <laughs> Bomb shelter. Well biodefense war setting. That's that's just silliness from Tesla.
0: Well, yeah, now that was kind of maybe making fun, right?
1: Well based on either she can or can she done. can't, so I'm kinda of, I'm kinda of thinking she's smart enough to use irony.
0: Just if if you're going to look, I know obviously Sarah Treem is successful. And she is a writer, but that does not mean in my view that she's a good writer and whatever is, and that's fine. I mean, who am I, but, but yeah,
1: Michelle, when does your show start on the It
0: doesn't. And I couldn't do it. And she does better than me. You know, I mean, that's like, you know, you make fun of somebody who's trying to speak English and they mess up a word. And we tend to laugh because it's funny, but it's like, Hey, you speak English better than I speak Russian. So, you know, I'm not laughing at at that, certainly, um, but I don't like the way this is written. She, you you can make irony easier to see. I think you and I are pretty smart TV watchers as far as that goes. Maybe I'm giving you know myself too much credit, but i I look for the nuances in in the shows I watch, and i'm it's just not clear. And if it's not clear to me and you who are watching this more than once and taking notes on it and really know our characters and stuff, it cannot be clear to other people. Or, I mean, I guess it could, but I don't see it being clear to the general population.
1: I didn't even watch it. I saw the trailer.
0: (laughs) That was good enough. Um, Okay, then we go to part two, and it's Noah. And... Now, I'm going to give credit here, so don't everybody pass out. But it's kind of cool how we pick up exactly where we left off with Helen. So this was probably right. There's no argument from Noah about Helen's side, I suppose. We don't see that in this. We don't see one character's opinion or view and then go straight into another character's view. We usually go back and see that character's view being a little different, but because they didn't show us that. So that was cool. That was something cool. Well, it's a
1: break from the mold of the show. That's a little unsettling though, because you're right. They don't show the alternate view. They show a sequential what happened next. Right. Which is okay. Sometimes you have to adjust because sometimes the parallel alternate view, I think is sequential. And I'm like, okay, so this is what happens next, but, oh no, this is what really happened in his view. And she right. breaks that mold this time.
0: And I thought that was cool. I'm going to definitely give credit there. Noah's watching TV, and they're saying movement is life. If you stay, you die. And if they tell you to leave, just leave. So Noah leaves to the kitchen to pour himself another stiff drink and knocks it back because that's smart.
1: I know you want to do that. Mich- I already made this point. But it's, it's <laughs> like the perfect time to hunker down without electricity and wait it out. But you got to be the soldier in the World War One foxhole, like l- almost literally S- stay sharp, stay on watch, don't go to sleep. You know, you can't drink like that.
0: Well, the guy who comes to the door, we're not quite there yet, but since we're talking about it and says to that, he's going to shelter in place. I know people shelter in place for hurricanes and stuff like that. I've never heard of sheltering in place for a fire. Is that a thing?
1: Some people try it.
0: That makes, I mean, I don't know. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you sheltering in place for a fire, you can't stop a fire. I don't know what, anyway, I've never even heard of that for a fire. But anyway, the drink is evidently inspiration to find Whitney's birth certificate, which is stuffed in the back part of a dresser that he has to take like the drawer out because it's like wadded up in the thing. So he obviously has a lot of respect for that piece of paper. No,
1: I think he got stuck there. It got stuck in the drawer in the top part, and then <clears throat> mm-hmm. that's why they couldn't find it. He didn't put it there as a secret hiding place. It just got stuck there.
0: No, of course. But, I mean, he has no respect for that document. You know, I might have an issue finding it because I've got stuff, um, you know, put in file cabinets and and with different, I don't know, sorted differently. But I'm not going to have trouble finding it because I didn't care enough about it and put it in a drawer and allowed it to be wadded up, that's just insane to me. Something as important as, like, a birth certificate and a passport. They, he also had Whitney's Anyway, they said that. But.
1: Noah has a bad man cave, too, Michelle. His TV's set up all crappy. His couch faces one way, and it faces another couch, like, facing it. But the TV's off to the side, so you got to crane your neck sideways to watch it. It's not a good setup.
0: That's not a good setup. But he tries to call Whitney to tell her, and she doesn't answer. So he texts her, and there's no answer. But the little dots come up, like she's thinking of typing something, or she's trying to type something, and then they go away. So we know that she just decided not to answer him. And the, his phone doesn't ring. He calls her back. It goes straight to voicemail. He leaves the beginning of a message and then thinks better of it.
1: So, Michelle, I have an iPhone. Does your Android get those teasy, I'm t- about to text you back, signals when it when when the person's really texting somebody else?
0: It does um, in Messenger. It does not in SMS. So okay. it, it, it depends. But, yeah. Um, what would you do if you found something that somebody needed and you communicated that to them even after they were so mean to you right so unnecessarily mean and wishy-washy and then they wouldn't respond to you when you told them that you found
1: it in the time of this fire i wouldn't be as pissed off As if, well, fuck you, you're not even going to reply. Because the cell could be compromised by millions of people trying to send messages and calls.
0: Absolutely, but we saw that wasn't the case. It got through to her because we heard her voicemail.
1: I don't know. I mean, you're trying to say that she's, like, shitty for not replying right back?
0: Well, yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. If you're doing somebody a favor... And they don't even have enough respect for you to reply. I I, I just didn't like that. I,
1: I guess I didn't attach much meaning to it. I would have I would have thought, oh, maybe it's maybe she did send it back to me, but it didn't get to me. Maybe that's the point the cell got jammed. In. I don't know. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have attached much to it.
0: Well, I didn't even think about it in relation to the fire, and I guess that's a good point. But it's just Whitney being Whitney. And, you know, she would reply back to me or I would hold on to the birth certificate until she did. Because He's spiteful. That's not spiteful. It's about respect. Look, we tri- we teach people how to treat us.
1: <laughs> Michelle. Michelle the godfather.
0: What? No, I'm you, being serious. You come to me every
1: day my daughter's wedding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we <laughs> teach people how they're allowed to treat us. And he's teaching her you can treat me anyway and I'm still gonna be your puppet.
1: Anyway. He's just being a good guy now. He's a good guy now.
0: Is he good guy? After he just said that stuff to Helen? Because we don't get to be both.
1: Well, maybe to give him the other side of the coin, maybe the stuff the hard stuff he said to Helen was to get her to see, you know, maybe you do really you know, maybe you are codependent and maybe it's trying to force her to say, no, I'm not codependent. I really do love you. I don't know. Who knows his fricking motivation.
0: Okay. Well, he should have said that to her when he met her at Carolina's house or yeah, he should have went there and said, it's I hard think you're for a guy to remember
1: all the stuff when he's disheveled Michelle.
0: Okay. Well, he finds the discovery of his trial from, uh, the attorney and he's listening to Allison and somehow finding it nice and soothing. The stuff she's saying, watching his dead ex wife discuss, or listening to it wasn't watching, I don't guess, but discuss the stuff with the detective during discovery.
1: Yeah. It's the soundbite from the beginning of our podcast. Every time. Do you remember seeing him for the first time?
0: Right. Right. You see
1: rich waitress Jane. Unexplainably, inexplainably rich waitress Jane, who we had on our show a couple of years ago, five years ago now, whatever, a long time ago. Wow.
0: Yeah. That was pretty cool. I wish they had shown. OK. Um, we do get clips of Allison and the rest of them, like the kids when they were young and stuff. And I really liked that. I thought that was a really cool thing to put in right there, kind of as we're wrapping this up. And we hear Allison threatening to commit suicide, which is what um, what we heard, right? We heard the detective talking about that, that if she made it to 35 and she didn't feel any different than she had suffered long enough.
1: Yeah, and that little flashback, Michelle, does Allison envision Cole with another woman, another girl? She
0: She doesn't envision it. She saw it. Season one, episode one. When she had first met met Noah, and that night when they were on the beach, Cole was sitting up there with that woman, and that's what made Allison walk away. And she met up with Noah again. That actually happened, if if memory, if my memory's right, and I think it is. So Cole wasn't the good guy that we've wanted to give him credit for, and I don't know why we haven't remembered some of that stuff about him because that is what he was doing. And we've also heard many times over the seasons about how he was supposed to be watching Gabriel, but he wasn't. And so Gabriel died because Cole wasn't watching him.
1: That bastard.
0: So, Okay, where was I? We hear about Allison threatening to commit suicide. Noah finally gets the sadness out of this, and he puts his head in his hands, and he's, like, apologizing to Allison at that point because Whitney told him that Allison probably killed herself because of him. I mean, who says stuff like that to people? You know, I have an 8-year-old grandson that wouldn't say something like that to somebody because he has better sense than to say something that hurtful to somebody.
1: Is this still all in the conversation Noah's having with Jeffries about his life being perfect or is that coming up still?
0: Well, yeah, we're, we're actually going into that. Yeah. His life was pretty much perfect.
1: First book is out. He's got a great family. He's reached all his achievements and then he blew it. It's interesting that Sarah Treme writes this because it's a very male. Uh, perspective of life. Like, if you've ever heard the Bob Seeger song, He Wants to Live Like a Young Man with the Wisdom of an Old Man, like you want everything, you want your cake and eat it too. It's a very male story, but I don't know if it's Sarah Treem trying to tell the female version of a male story or if she really gets it, she really understands, because she kind of nails it here. That That is, you want the family and the mistress you know you want to be a pirate and be a homeowner in a suburb you know you want it all it's well yeah
0: i don't think that it's so different for women though i don't know that it's just a male story it's just maybe and this is where i'm gonna sound like a sarah Treme fan probably um but i think it's just maybe that women are more conditioned that they can't have everything. And I don't know that men are as conditioned.
1: Mm, I don't think that. I think women are just more, by nature, prone to nesting and protecting and keeping a house. And men are more, you know, wild and cowboys. They go out in the world and stir shit up. Women are more, I don't know, maybe I'm being oversimplifying it but that's my impression women are more nurturing and home bodies than men
0: i don't disagree with that particularly our generation i think that changes maybe from you know a little bit or at least has altered some different generations but it's like noah said you have to trade you know you you give up part of something to have something else
1: Well, that's wisdom. That's true.
0: Right. But he says he enjoyed being married and then there's like this long dramatic pause and he backspaces, he goes back and he hears it again. He replays it. He enjoyed being married. So I guess that shifted his, you know, perception again, much like Whitney and him and everybody. Um, because there's somebody beating on the door and it's the neighbor and we talked about that he's um gonna shelter in place and he says that you can't leave now it's completely gridlocked and all of a sudden noah has a different attitude before then before when he listened to the discovery he takes off on foot i mean suddenly he's like you can have the house man good luck okay First of all, Noah was renting, so you can't give away a house that you're renting. But I guess what he was saying was um, none of this stuff has any meaning to me.
1: God, I'm hoping Sarah Chambers is in this ironic storytelling tool, <laughs> Michelle, because, okay, first of all, the Tesla is fireproof. It's, it's uh, bio—what de- do they call it? Bio-defensible. It's immune to anything outside it if you push a button. That's really stupid. Plus the old Ned, whoever this neighbor dude is, giving advice to Noah. Clean your gutters. Are you kidding me? It's a fucking fire of 100 feet away and he's telling him to clean his gutters?
0: Yeah, he's got an hour and he needs to clean his gutters, rake his yard, hose down the house (laughs) in an hour, you know? And nice, to go to the basement.
1: Nice whistle though, Ned. He's wearing a whistle on his shirt, like a scoutmaster. That has to be funny, right? She has to be like making fun of this stuff. Can't be real, man. Old Ned I, next door he knows everything. Get the gutters cleaned. Or he'll blow his whistle.
0: <laughs> he's he's superman if he can do all that in an hour or two, but I guess super
1: stupid man.
0: But Noah finds another Tesla as he's walking down the way, and a guy pulls a gun on him when he opens the door. That was.
1: This is the male trope, Michelle. The male, male dream and nightmare is you got to find and save somebody in the world. You got to go and look in a crowd to find and save your woman. <laughs> you know, it's dumb. He whips open the wrong car door.
0: So a guy is gonna go to the trouble of having. A gun in California where it's definitely more difficult, right, to have a gun, but he's not even going to lock his door. Yeah. This guy doesn't have his apocalypse button push, obviously. Again,
1: maybe in these times it's more excusable as a writer to have dramatic, drastic measures being taken. I mean, this is end times if everybody's looting and rushing and fighting, scrambling for their lives. Maybe you (laughs) wouldn't drive with a loaded gun.
0: Well, sure, but, I mean, you would probably lock your door, too, although I don't really know what you're protecting by locking the door.
1: That's a good point. You would especially lock your door at that time when even usually you wouldn't lock your door. But California has – I mean, if you drive your car with a, the, the clip of a gun with bullets in it, not if you don't even have the gun with you, <laughs> if you have bullets in the clip of a gun, it's a loaded weapon. You can get arrested for carrying a loaded weapon even if you don't have the gun with you. So it's really super, super restrictive about what you can do with firearms. And that guy's driving around with the, in his lap ready to shoot. And Is that for real? A, why you wouldn't can't
0: you? have a, a clip in your car? Yeah,
1: with bullets in it. It's a without loaded a loaded weapon.
0: Even if you don't have the gun. Right. So what can you do with a clip without Nothing. a gun? Is there something I am unaware of?
1: No. It's okay. just faster, it's it's more easy, easily assembled. You know, you can slip a clip into a gun in a second. It's really stupid. It's freaking stupid. Well, why doesn't the guy shoot Noah? If he's ready to carry it in his lap like that, why doesn't he just shoot him?
0: Or just lock the door. Just lock the door, you know? And also, if there's this other Tesla and Helen can't figure out how to push the apocalypse button, could she get out and go over there and say, hey, dude, where's the apocalypse button? Because we want to be safe in here.
1: He would have shot her. Probably. So finding the wrong car is dumb, but then he finds the real car in that mass of exodus of people, that's even dumber. He finds her in that crowd of people. Unless she's only, you know, 100 yards away because there's a lot of traffic, I guess, but
0: who, Yeah, I don't I don't know. Who knows? I know. But he finds her He tells her to get out that there's a ridge and he's hiked it and they have to go and Well,
1: also about the car Michelle Not to harp on it, but she doesn't want to open the door. She's not happy to see him or surprised. She just does. She's more worried about the hippies inside in the smoke that she won't open the door for Noah outside in the smoke.
0: Well, not just him outside, right? Okay, so we see everybody walking with things covering their face, but then you also see like the police and the And the emergency responders just standing out there talking. They don't have masks or anything on. But then there's all sorts of people just walking. Yeah. But the couple decides they're staying with the car. But Helen, even though Noah just just minutes ago, maybe what now, an hour ago, told her that, I mean, he was so mean. And she told him to die, essentially. But she decides to take off with him. You're right. You were right. This is the four part or the three part or whatever. It's cuz part 3, Noah and Helen, which is really cool and different. So I had forgotten I said I thought that was the next episode, but
1: it's also it's part 3, Noah and Helen or Hike to Freedom and Romantic Resolution, Michelle. Is That was in small print.
0: Was it? Okay. So Noah's telling her the way they're going to go and saying to trust him, and he holds out his hand, and she reluctantly takes it. And then they're hiking down something that looks like a trail, but it almost looks like a waterway or something, like some of the water has dug out because they're like, anyway, it was odd.
1: Well, plus they're like Biggie and Tupac, East Coast, West Coast. She's wearing the Montauk cap, and he's wearing the California cap.
0: That was funny. Yeah. I mean, I didn't notice his cap, but I didn't notice hers and her saying the end on it. I thought was pretty ironic too.
1: That might be a, a sign of her attitude. <laughs> really?
0: So Helen is like musing that if this is how they're going to die and says that, that she didn't un- understand because he was resigned to it just a few hours ago and what happened, and then he tells her about the depositions and Jeffries and hearing his voice from back then, and he was reminded how to be happy. So that one little thing, and suddenly he can leave everything behind. So Helen's talking about Whitney and fearing turning into her and calling her codependent, and maybe she is a pathetic, desperate enabler. And Noah says that Whitney would be lucky to turn out to be half the woman that Helen is. And at this point, I think if she, you know a tenth the woman Helen is, um, but then they agree about what uh, Whitney said about him about using people up and then discarding him. What do you think about that?
1: Um, I don't know. I. I'm just so busy criticizing this show, I guess I missed the points of it, but they I, first of all, I don't think they needed this dramatic scene of the fire to have this conversation. What if they just had a coffee shop talk? I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have had this with you know I wish I could t- I wish I could really tell you what you mean to me, how I felt about you. It shouldn't take this emergency to have this conversation between them.
0: No, I completely agree. It doesn't have to be forced because we've seen that when situations are forced on these characters in the show, that they don't respond well or even accurately, maybe to the way they're feeling. They respond to the stress of the situation. Okay, but then they come up on the cliff and they have to climb down. Helen freaks out. And while she's freaking out, Noah's already going down this cliff, right? You can't see what you're climbing on. You cannot go down a cliff like that if you cannot see the path, correct?
1: Yeah, it's very stupid, Michelle. You know, I'm picking on Sarah Trim for the last five years. (laughs) And I want to just say before the final show that we do in a couple days that you know she's a Yale alumni, so you know, fuck me for criticizing her. She's majorly credentialed with all these shows she's doing so she's a she's a successful writer, but you don't you're right. you don't start climbing over at a I mean that's a death tragedy waiting to happen in that cliff. there's no fire right there. if the fire's right behind you and you're burning to death like you jump off the twin towers to save your or take a death that's less painful than the fire. But they're on a nice, sunny day there. It's not like, oop, here's a cliff. We better just keep going in this beeline, straight line. There's a way around it. Just walk around it. Walk till it's less of a cliff.
0: Or at least walk until you can see the path down this cliff. I mean, you have to be able to see it because otherwise you can get like on a ledge and you're stuck and you can't go anywhere, right? I mean, I'm not a... I'm not a climber, and I never have been, but I I at least have some common sense. You have to be able to see the path, at least. And if you can see it, even if it's steep, then you know that there is a path to the bottom. And, you know, that that was just crazy.
1: Yeah, and I was like, follow me. I'm going over the edge of the Grand Canyon. Right. Don't worry. No snakes down here. We just got to defeat gravity.
0: Oh, don't even. I can't believe we went there. But it's supposed to be all tense with him going down and Helen watching from above. And, you know, and he's slipping and sliding. And I found that in a situation where you're physically out of control of yourself in a situation like that, that it's very helpful for somebody to scream your name repeatedly.
1: Michelle, I sense mocking. (laughs)
0: And then he gets down there, it's Helen's turn, and she's not going to do it. And so he's, like, all shook up, right? The kids need you. I need you. We can't do this without you. We can't do it if I fall off this cliff either. I mean, you got to have some kind of, like, upper body strength that 50-year-old women don't. I mean, look, Helen's wonderful, but I'm not sure she has the upper body strength, Right. I don't know.
1: She has the Stretch Armstrong um, Marvel ability, though. Like, her foot is four inches short of the part she wants to reach, but her leg stretches those four inches out. Like, it reaches the part where she wants to put her foot, even though it didn't really reach before.
0: Well, I know. And he's telling her, you're going to have to let go with your hand. I mean, it's just insane. First of all, he's not going to be able to tell from his vantage point how many inches and what she's going to need to do. And she's supposed to let go and then fall into the, I mean, It was just, it was just, anyway, he's looking up and it's tense and he's talking the whole time and rocks are breaking off and hitting him. And, and he's supposed to be a victim. She's apologizing for the rocks hitting him. And then she starts pitching a fit at him, and suddenly that gets her over her, <clears throat> excuse me, over her um, fear and her inabilities, and she climbs down because she's pitching a fit. The music's lighter and happier, and we're all out of the woods and having a conversation about how hard it was on her when he left and everything. And he blames his wild range of moods on his childhood and they kind of go into this thing where he was afraid to let her see him and what he did. And she loved him anyway when she did see him. And he hated her for that. He put his self hatred on her. And she said that she was nothing but a performance of a person back then. And she just wanted someone to save her from Bruce and Margaret. And she never really stood up for him and allowed him to kind of be the scapegoat. And, then they go into the conversation where she asked him if he had never met Allison, would she have been enough?
1: Yeah. It's nah. too, it's too bad, Michelle, because of the stupid setting of climbing off this cliff. Like this is the, dr- this is every lover's dream. This talk that they have, it's a resolution of the past. It's the way that they can talk to each other and answer and um, listen and communicate with each other. It, it's a time machine. We rarely get in real life with lovers that are, out of our lives. Usually you don't get to go back and ask these questions and, you know, they mutually apologize, which is another kind of a vague fantasy that they're able to set the record straight. Usually you don't get that chance. So I don't know. I was disappointed that they, like I said, it wasn't in a coffee shop somewhere. It had to be like accentuated by this stupid cliff. Cliff situation.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And but but it was a good conversation. And I've told you and and the people who listen that my husband Mike he's not listened, he's not watched a couple of episodes. But because of just the situation of me watching this the first time, he did watch this episode, and he really liked this conversation. And I was much more critical until he was talking about it with me. And I I have to agree with him. The conversation, and you, the conversation is really good. And it it is a shame that they had to put it in this stupid scenario. They had to force it.
1: It's so easily fixable because the conversation is the harder part to write. The setting of wherever they could have been... Is universal. You could have put them in a library or in a, on a plane or you know somewhere else. It's, that was easily fixed, but they over they overcook it with the stupid drama of this cliff with re- a really good conversation. I don't know. It's just disappointing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree, <clears throat> but it was interesting. But the the whole Allison conversation. He says that it wasn't. Her that wasn't, that it was him that wasn't enough. It wasn't Helen. And I think that's very true and fair. Yep. He wanted to be noticed by someone, be a hero, and along came a girl who was desperate to be saved. And Helen points out that that's true, that she sees that, but that Noah loved Allison, and he agrees with that. And um, I think we would all be foolish to think that he didn't. But he says that people love other people all the time in their marriages. He thinks, but they don't leave. And that he just feared not being enough.
1: Yeah, it's another profound point by Sarah Treem. She sees into the psychology of it that we salve our weaknesses. We all have these weaknesses. Some of us fix them or Shield ourselves from them in different ways, but that's how he's—that's how he satisfied his weakness. He made it better by going out and getting the admiration of all these other women. It's—it is his weakness, not because Helen wasn't good enough. Right. You know, Helen was just as beautiful and smart as all, any other woman that he ever connected with. It's his—it's his fixing his own internal problem. Right. That's a pretty right. good point to write about. That's smart. To, that's a smart thing to explore in, in a story like this
0: and how great would it have been if we had been able to like have this message incorporated over the last five years it didn't just have to come out in the penultimate episode right we could have had this interspersed the whole time and we could have seen noah as a different character because of that
1: and michelle you don't have to steal from george R. R. martin like she does next What do you mean? We may die, but not today. What do we (laughs) say to the God of death? Not today. Not
0: today. I know. But Helen... that's, That's
1: like blatant robbery.
0: Not today. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe it was a nod. I don't know. But then Helen's discussing what it was like for her. Noah asked her. And this was something that was really profound I thought and it was painful to listen to that and I think this could have been interspersed in the story along the way Um, she couldn't breathe for two years she talked about all the crying no sleep afraid to be alone afraid she couldn't handle the children alone their friends were awful Um, they blamed her For letting him go. It made her compare herself physically to someone who was different than her and younger. And she felt so ugly. And of course Noah, hearing this, it's like he's being uh, hit. I mean, it's like physical blows to him. Which I think is fair and probably true. And he was genuinely sorry about that. But she says, don't you pity me. I'm more proud of making it through that than anything else in my life. And I just love that. I love that whole raw vulnerableness of her telling him, This is what you did to me. You did this to me. And my children had to live with this, they had to live with their mother like this. So, and something else that she said that was really profound. Um, was when they had nothing she used to think that one day it would all be worth it that one day they would have made this amazing thing this family but that he left during the hard part and they never had a chance to celebrate and i just thought that was just perfect so anyway they're walking and helen wants to stop And true grit style, she gets bit by a rattlesnake. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me?
1: Snakes have feelings too, Michelle. They got to (sighs) survive. I know. It's dumb.
0: It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Uh, Noah has no signal on his phone. Helen's freaking out, of course, as you would if you're bit by a rattlesnake. And uh, Noah, we find out he's going to have to carry her for a mile. And he picks her up, and she's, like, passing out. And then a service truck comes through. And then she's in the hospital. And the idiot at the front desk, while he's carrying a comatose woman, wants him to stop and fill out the forms so she can be triaged.
1: Yeah, first of all, Michelle, you gotta. When you see a snake, you gotta move away from it. You don't sit there and look at it. You just move away. Move your legs away. Ooh, a snake! I thought, I'm...
0: You, I thought you didn't move when uh, you saw a snake. Look
1: what happens when you do what you think you should do,
0: Michelle. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally also, thought you were supposed to be still. I thought if you move, they would strike.
1: But you shoulder carry. Hell, i forgot her name helen <laughs> your shoulder <laughs> carrier away not baby like a baby cradling in the arms carry for a mile throw her over your shoulder and carry her away like <laughs> you got to be practical and then yeah they the, at the hospital this you got to do all the paperwork and get your insurance form off in of I know. but did we see louisa the time traveling nurse there michelle Oh, did we? I'm kidding. It wasn't really. But it was like a nurse that was a dead ringer for Louisa.
0: You're right. You know, I kept wondering who that person reminded me of. And you're right. Yeah, that was a doctor, right? She comes in and she takes Noah back to Helen. And Helen's good and she can probably go home tomorrow. Noah saved her. Noah, you saved her. And he's looking at the news and we see Sasha's Tesla burned out. So we know that the hippy-dippy couple did not make it. And that was the end,
1: no, there's part four, huh part four, Noah violating the terms of the show's perception, <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and then next on, I didn't even do it. I didn't even do it because I had already seen the next on on no, the
1: show, next... literally, there was a part four
0: what what was part- well, yeah, that was the part where Noah's taken back, right, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's why I said there were four parts in this.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, His time is sequential, like we said like before, and not parallel to the story like it's always been. And the crunchy hippie car. Probably too stupid to get out of the car and walk away as flames ate the front seat. They still sat in the back seat.
0: I mean, seriously, that's what they led us to believe happened. Well, they're talking about, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm not versed in fires like that. We have had some fires here, but um, only once in my lifetime that I can remember, and it was never anything like that. We're so humid here, and the atmosphere, whatever, the weather is so wet typically that it's— you much know, more unusual
1: michelle i'll say it's not like if you ever see the movie scenes where they put a coffin in the thing and people get cremated where the fire just engulfs everything and you're you're stuck in it and you cannot if you were alive in that coffin getting cremated you would obviously die the fires here are big open spaces i mean the, there are parts where you could walk between the flames and the fire you don't sit there and just get torched it's not like a blowtorch hitting you, you know. You can walk around it and move. Around. That's why it's dumb to climb down the cliff, and it's dumb to sit in a car that's going to burn up. Could-
0: well, some of the things that they were that they show us about your fires, because of course you know we see it here, is like they showed people driving down a freeway um, or some roadway with fire literally engulfing it on either side. And it's, it's horrifying, the images that I have, of course, never experienced what you're talking about. So it doesn't seem sensationalized on the show to me because I guess I'm seeing the sensational stuff that's what's making the news.
1: Some of it is probably really bad like that, but mostly it's fire, you know, it's it's a foot high off the ground. I mean, sure, if it catches on a house and you're in a neighborhood of houses and you fell, fell asleep and woke up too late, it would be bad. But if you're on a road like that, you get out of the car and you might die from smoke inhalation, but you don't sit in. It doesn't come so fast that you're still sitting in the car. I don't know. It just seemed crazy.
0: And it didn't look like that car had moved at all either, by the way. So, so the whole time it just sat there.
1: What do we have for next on's final episode?
0: Um, Noah attempting to get a flash mob going. Lots of Whitney in a wedding gown. Noah looking sad and thoughtful and walking down a lonely street. And it looks cold. That's all I've had on Rem- the next time. Remember
1: to pick your favorite scenes from the whole sh- series for the ending, show. Or your one favorite scene.
0: I just get one.
1: Well, whatever. If you have some, that's okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and now it's over. By the time this goes up, most people are going to have already seen the finale. So.
1: I might just put this one after 5-11, not that you said that, Michelle.
0: (laughs) We, uh, we, um, we'll be doing that Wednesday, a little bit later in the day on Wednesday, because, um. Of me, but assuming that you don't get any more fires, and I really hope you don't, we'll be doing that one, and that one will be up. Or really you don't
1: get any more high heels, Michelle.
0: High heels?
1: Yeah. You may not even know this, but on the morning of the fires, like when four in the morning, I was driving away through the wind, like hundred mile an hour wind. I asked you how your day was, and you said, "Oh, it was a horrible. Long day, ten hours in high heels." <laughs> <laughs>
0: You asked how the wedding went, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And no, it wasn't horrible, but it was it was a long day. It was a long day because I had not used to you know, wearing heels for that length of time, walking on grass and stuff. But obviously, compared to your day, it was um, our day was beautiful. It was beautiful. This wedding, it had rained for like three days prior to it. And the weather had changed to cooler and, um, the wedding was outside and we had an inside venue ready, but it just wasn't what uh, my daughter Julia wanted. She wanted to have it outside. So the rain literally cleared that morning. The wedding was at six in the afternoon and the, it was windy because it was blowing out the weather. And we don't get a lot of wind here, so that was re- not windy, but it was breezy. It was really nice. And it was the wedding was outside, right? And it was surrounded by all these trees. And the breeze was blowing these colorful, bright yellow, bright red leaves all over everybody the whole time, just gently falling leaves. It was. We could not have orchestrated it better. It was just incredible. The weather was perfect. It was cool enough. The reception got to be outside. And um, it was cool enough that you could, like, you know, dance or whatever and not be, like, burning up. And they had these big barn doors opened. And so you could be, like, inside or outside if you got chilled. And it, it was just absolutely perfect. And I felt so bad for you dealing with what you were dealing with when we were just given such a gift here. Did you
1: have a flash mob? (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know no there was no flash mob but um some song came on and everybody started doing this dance and i didn't even know it and i was like um of course i'm old but i asked one of my daughters later i'm like what what was that we would known that since we were five or whatever so whatever it was it was really really
1: cool well you got to find out what it is
0: I'll find out.
1: I'll ask her. West Coast Project is the socially cutting <laughs> edge of culture, Michelle.
0: Okay. Just because you're I'll...
1: old doesn't mean the whole rest of the world is old.
0: That's correct. That's correct. I'm, I'm Michelle, for some reason like we learning. have
1: an eleven episode, so we have to do five eleven, um, and we'll put this to rest after five eleven.
0: We'll do it. Just
1: All right. I'll see days. you then.
0: Okay, Mike, see you then.